Hello and welcome to In the Envelope, an awards interview podcast. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage, the most trusted name in casting. I'm here to spotlight some of the most exciting film, television, and theater awards contenders working today. Who is in the running? What makes an awards-worthy performance? And what, dear listeners, are the secrets to giving one? We're sitting down for intimate, inspirational interviews with actors and artists to get that insider's perspective on these questions and more. It's an opportunity for some of today's most talented stars to share their craft and career advice, and maybe, just maybe, provide a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. believe in our resilience and our beauty and and all the things that we're capable of that is so moving it just makes yeah. me cry tears like it there's so many cool wonderful things about us despite all the bullshit things it gets value to me whether it's through music or song but primarily it's all storytelling like i put that all in the yeah. funnel of telling the story i like highlighting as many different parts of the infinite palette of colors that make the human experience mm. up Oh my gosh, this interview could be called How to Succeed in Business, in Show Business, but with trying and with being a good human. And in only 25 minutes. <laughs> and in only 25 minutes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Listeners, we have a slightly shorter episode for you today. Um, although, Jamie, I think that you and I should actually briefly discuss this year's Emmys. Um, sure. And especially the, the nominees, which were announced a while ago. Emmys are coming up on September 17th. And... Many of our podcast guests were nominated. Yes. Congratulations. Thanks to us, us, of course. Definitely because of us. We had from this past season, so interviews from this year, Pamela Adlon, Edgar Ramirez, uh, who stars on the assassination of Johnny Versace with today's guest, Darren Chris. Um, We had Evan Rachel Wood from Westworld. We had Henry Winkler from Barry. We had Brandon Victor Dixon from Jesus Christ Superstar live in concert, and we had Milo Ventimiglia from This Is Us. Those were the six, but as, I mean, this podcast, we have an excellent track record, because if we go back to last year, we also have Elizabeth Moss. We also have Jeffrey Wright. We have Judith Light and Regina King, although we interviewed them for different projects. The list goes on and on. Yeah, I mean, I can't take much credit for that, seeing as that's your responsibility, (laughs) but I'll take the credit. You deserve all the credit. You deserve all the credit for this. Okay, I'll take that. All yeah. Right. Um, the Emmys the <laughs> Emmys are happening. The This year is really exciting. I feel like this is an interesting year in terms of like, there's a couple races that were set up last year, like Handmaids was new last year. You know, last year we interviewed Ann Dowd before she went on to win her Emmy. She's nominated again this year. Is she going to win again? But she's up against two of her Handmaids co-stars. Is Elizabeth going to win again? Is Sterling going to win again? Is Donald Glover for Atlanta going to win again? I don't know. There's a couple new comedies. This year is notable because Game of Thrones is back in the race after not being in the race. And we have Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon kind of getting a ton of nominations. And we have no Veep this year. Right. So there's a couple like shakings up. Julia Louis-Dreyfus had won the leading actress comedy category, what, six years in a row? 
Right. Yeah, exactly. It was getting a bit boring. After. It was getting a bit boring. Like maybe <laughs> even she would admit. And so now someone else can win. Yeah. And in fact, Pamela Adlon and Tracy Ellis Ross, who've both joined us on this podcast, they're both nominated, which is exciting. Either of them would be fantastic. and So fantastic. Worthy. Oh my God. I forgot Alison Janney. Also, Alison yeah. Janney, also nominated in that category. We can totally count Alison Janney, even though we mostly talked to her about Itania. And Tatiana Maslany. We should just mention everyone. It's really been a lot of people. Okay, so you said the previous guest was your favorite. Um, <laughs> one, of, one of your favorites. One of my favorites is Tatiana Maslany. And I know uh-huh. this episode isn't about her, but she was just so nice and oh, so down to earth. But I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I was just a massive <laughs> fan of that. Absolutely. And we interviewed her about her final season on Orphan Black, which that is what she's nominated for. It's yeah. a shame that she's not going to be on TV for that anymore. That was such an amazing performance. Right, I know. She's in the theater now, right? She's in the theater. She's on the movie screen. She's t- she's taking off. I suppose she could win. She's up against Elizabeth Moss, also friend of the show, also yeah. friend of the podcast. We're taking over, Jamie. We're taking over Hollywood. <laughs> this is great. This is great. Um, and that brings me back to how to succeed in business, <laughs> sort of. Yes. Um, Darren Chris is today's guest, and we didn't get to talk about his his appearances on Broadway. But we covered his other stuff, which is like he is a musician. He got his start in a college musical parody of Harry Potter called A Very Potter Musical. And of all things, like that got him his viral breakthrough way before viral breakthroughs were a thing. Um, And he definitely became well-known on Glee because he came in in the second season on Glee and kind of proceeded to wow people with his sheer charisma. This is We're talking about someone with a lot of charisma. And I can attest to this now in person. He literally just walked out of the studio, and I'm still startled by his beautiful <laughs> eyeballs. Yeah, sadly I that? wasn't there to appreciate the beautiful <laughs> eyeballs, but... Uh... He's a very <laughs> earnest dude, and yeah. I knew that he would be a good person to talk to because his honesty is, he's there on the surface level, yeah, and he's kind of willing to bear his soul, and if you've seen any of his performances, you know that's true. Yeah, definitely throwing himself into any role and mm. going up that with gusto. And yeah. and I really love the way he ended this interview by kind of summing up his artistic yeah. mission or artistic credo, which is, has a lot to do with like loving the human race. I love mm. that. It's interesting to hear from all these different actors, you know, what they consider the role of an actor to be or the job of an actor to be. And for Darren, it was about finding a common denominator with other humans, finding what we have in common and, and using that to portray a character which a character you may not have a lot in common with. I definitely think that a lot of actors could also turn to psychology at some point because they seem to have a yeah. innate maybe understanding or sympathy mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is, or at least an interest in the human condition. Yes. And, um, you know, he very much, ex- what's the word, exemplified that. Yeah, or exhumes um, or explains or all the X all words. The X words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because like he plays Andrew Cunanan in... Uh, assassination of Johnny Versace. He plays the assassination, essentially. He plays a serial killer. So that by, you know, as an interviewer, my default almost go-to question would be like, so how do you play a sociopath? Or like, what is a sociopath? Or like, that's where you're talking about the psychology. That's That's why people who play the Joker are messed up. People say like, actors who play the Joker are, they have all these mental problems because you go to this dark place and then you get confused and your body gets confused or whatever. And we didn't get into that because, for again, for him, it's about finding what you have in common with this with this character and using that, even if the character does unspeakable things. And w- what an incredibly meaty role <laughs> to be given. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, that's a yep. dream role for so many people. And Ryan Murphy even said to backstage um, in Darren Chris's cover story, Ryan Murphy told us, like, this is this is it. This is the role that people are going to be talking about this season. This is a mm-hmm. huge role for an actor. And it's very much a role that he wanted Darren to play. Yeah. And, yeah, I it's, from the outside looking in, it just looks really challenging. Definitely. To play yeah. that character. The thing about the uh, American Crime Story, too, is that it is hard to talk about. Like, a lot of the stuff we were talking about in this interview was horrific or tragic and and kind of... Mm-hmm. But it's also it's that, but it's also heady and um, intellectual, and there's all these big grandiose schemes. Darren mentioned like Shakespeare and Greek tragedy was actually a huge part of the storytelling style of this. Yeah. But it's also accessible and like kind of mainstream and kind of juicy. Yeah, you know, it's like the anti mumblecore. Yeah, in every <laughs> way. Yeah, like I feel like, and, and he also used the uh, Darren used the term provocateur to describe Ryan Murphy, and that applies as well. Yeah, like he's there to titillate as well as as well as I think educate. Yeah, and he's got this massive new deal with Netflix, right? So we should yeah, uh, right. see some exciting things. Totally, because the, the thing about Ryan Murphy, and we've we've interviewed a couple of his muses on this show, is like he's all like regardless of whatever the product is, it is discussable. It is hot button. It is. Yeah. It is worth digging into. It's both highbrow and lowbrow, which is what I really like about his work. And Darren, I think, encapsulated that that pretty well in this performance. Yeah. Because like Darren, Andrew Cunanan, at least as portrayed in this miniseries, is also a charming guy and is also a guy full of hope and full of, at one point, a lot of potential. And it's a big tragic... This is actually an interesting note for us to end on for our podcast. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like Darren Chris was super lovely, and this is an upbeat interview. But like, we are talking about a serial killer for most of it. So, (laughs) so like on that note, good luck at the Emmys, everyone. Like, this is sort of how we're ending the season. (laughs) Yes, this sounds seems perfect to me. Casey Howe uh, would love that aspect of it. This this episode is partly for her because she loves all things serial killers and all things murdery. Well, this one's for you, Casey. That's right, Casey. If you're listening, and I hope you are. This one's for you. All right, we, should we get to our interview with the lovely Darren Chris? Let's do it. Hello, this is Jamie, producer of In the Envelope, and I want to tell you about our sister podcast, VO School. If you're interested in becoming a voice actor, this is the podcast that will give you a comprehensive introduction to everything you need to know. It's hosted by me, but don't let that put you off. I interview some of the biggest names in voiceover to find out step by step what you need to know and discover the secrets to a successful and sustainable career. For more information, visit voschoolpodcast.com or find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all the usual places. So check out the VO School podcast. Thanks. This podcast is, of course, brought to you, listeners, by Backstage. Listen, aside from all the great inspiration and tips and all of that stuff we offer for free, like this amazing podcast, Backstage also gives you access to incredible casting calls all over the world. That is why it's the world's number one casting platform. If you're curious or if you're an actor yourself and you really want to jumpstart your career and you're ready to take the advice and the inspiration you've heard here in this very episode and use it... Go to backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code ENVELOPE, E-N-V-E-L-O-P-E. 
That's again, 30 days completely free to try backstage where you can make a profile, upload a headshot, upload a reel, start browsing the casting notices and start applying to jobs because who knows, maybe one day I'll be interviewing you. Again, that's backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code ENVELOPE. Bursting onto the scene as first Harry Potter in a parody musical and now Emmy-nominated for playing a serial killer, Darren Criss is the star of The Assassination of Johnny Versace, the second season of Ryan Murphy's anthologized FX series American Crime Story, as Andrew Cunanan, a gay man who murdered at least five people, including fashion designer Johnny Versace in the 90s, Darren dug deep into the darkest parts of his own humanity. He's also stolen the show on Fox's musical hit Glee, where he once scored a songwriting Emmy nod. Here it is, our interview with the amazing Darren Chris. Campaigning for an Emmy feels like you must not have a... a work-life balance might be a challenge when you're cha- campaigning, quote-unquote, right? But I don't really feel like <laughs> we're campaigning. Like, there's nothing... Oh, good, good. You know, I'm not going to, like, like Des Moines Choosing. and shaking hands with, <laughs> you know... In the swing lo- states. The local, yeah, the local fair. <laughs> totally. Like going to the state fair in Idaho. I don't know what. Um, Darren, Chris, welcome to the podcast thank you are we wrong i'm yeah i think we're yeah okay we're not putting the headphones on really. no 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 need i don't like hearing the sound of my own i'm a podcast host well that makes two of us because i can barely voice. stand listening to your voice now um <laughs> okay so we're good so we caught that we're whole good, bit good, about idaho state fairs and stuff we got all that mm, fun, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bits. okay cool we want to make sure that we alienate any like Idaho not that voters. there's anything not fun about going to an idaho state fair <laughs> right uh i feel like if there's anybody who subscribes to Backstage mm. or listens to Backstage podcasts? Mm-hmm. If they're an actor from Idaho, <laughs> um, there's a good chance they're trying to get out of Idaho. Yeah, um, absolutely. Again, yeah. with all due respect, I don't know why I'm picking Idaho. Idaho's a beautiful state. <laughs> totally. What the hell? <laughs> but that dream of like going, looking at the backstage casting notices in New York and LA. Yeah, New York and LA. It's like or Chicago, or wherever else. So um, absolutely. Anyway, now that we've thoroughly, you know. <laughs> maybe picked a fight with right. the state of Idaho. We This podcast could use it. some controversy. We could actually use to stand to Yeah, let's start bad big. Press, let's so. start with with, yeah. with picking beef with Idaho. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, to, your, to your point about the, the campaign thing, I, I, mm. I've never actually even thought of it like that until you just said that. I It's just in press. My, in my, yeah, and I, that's yeah. not even me trying to be like cutesy. I truly, I, it's... Yeah, it's not how we think about it. <laughs> sure. I'm just talking about This is part of the job. Life. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's and it's fun. I mean, I'm one of the lucky ones. Like this shouldn't have to be part of the job. There's so many actors and mm. artists, musicians, directors, a lot of people who are, you know, more introverted and um, you know, this this part of the job is this sort of ancillary mm. component that really unfairly shouldn't have to be a part of it. I just happen sure. to be my my parents' son, and they are very, you know, talkative people, mm-hmm. and uh, I like people. I don't like to hear the sound of my own voice and just talk and talk and talk. It's mm-hmm. not like an ego thing. I just I enjoy engaging 
with human beings, which is partially the reason why I like acting in the first oh, yeah. place. So, um, yeah, so that's just the luck of the draw. It is strange that this, this has to be part of hmm. the job because, you know, so a lot of people shouldn't have to think about it. There's wonderful sure. performers that, you know, this is not their bag and it shouldn't yeah. have to be. Yes. But, um, but unfortunately, it, it is. So, but I hadn't thought I about it. like doing an interview is not unlike having a scene partner, essentially. Sure, sure. Sort of Think, like an, yeah, an totally. Exercise. Yeah, yeah. It, it actually, it totally is. But you know, if you are wired in a certain way where you really like things premeditated, oh, and you know, you sure. know the scene, and we, you yes. know, if some actors really would like to have what we're doing right now needs to have been rehearsed forever, yes, and absolutely. Uh, you know, while there is room for spontaneity, that margin is small. I mean, look, everyone's different. So um, yeah. Yeah, that's why, again, I'm just I completely lucked out that this is something <laughs> I, I do genuinely enjoy. And also, you know, I'm lucky that, you know, and we'll get to it, but it has to do with, the, you know, projects or things that I've done that I do find endlessly fascinating. And objectively, if I wasn't involved with them, I love totally. talking about oh my gosh. Um, a lot of the things that I've been lucky enough to be a part of. So. Yeah. Maybe maybe subconsciously I, I choose to be part of projects that I know if I have to talk about it, it's it's a joy. <laughs> so sure. self-preservation method, I guess. Right. Yeah, you're not gonna pick uh, projects that you yeah, wouldn't like, want to uh, discuss at the water cooler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, sure. it's fun. It really Well, is. Versace was such a water cooler show and and you must have kind of known that going into it because uh the first season was like a big, beautiful, Emmy winning hit. Yeah. I mean it's prestige TV. I, the, the metaphor I keep using, and I'm careful with it because I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm. I think I'm Steph Curry or some phenomenal basketball player. But mm. look, like I, I, you're you're playing for the Warriors. Like you just like <laughs> there's there's a likelihood that you're going to exist in a certain space, not only with the popular uh, conscious consciousness, yes. but also in um, you know where they're going to end up. Like we, I'm I'm thrilled that we're part of the. Emmy's circuit, but mm-hmm. and that's not something that I ever. The thing that I always subscribe to is I'm never, you know, I hope for everything and expect nothing, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know a general good thing to live by. So yes. you're constantly surprised and never really sort of dis- disappointed. But you know when you're joining the Ryan Murphy camp, you, you, there mm-hmm. is a likelihood you might make it to the championships. That's yes. what I'm saying about the Warriors. You know, totally. if you play with LeBron James, if you're on the Cavaliers, you know, there's there's a there's a likelihood. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, even whether or not that actually panned out the way it did, that prospect is is exciting. Sure. You know, it's exciting to be with the big guns. You know, there's so many other things and black boxes and theaters around the world, maybe in Idaho. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll do uh, a, a throwback. Um, <laughs> um, but there are places everywhere where wonderful people are doing phenomenal work. And uh, there's an alchemy of zeitgeist and timing and exposure that, you know, is, isn't always on your side. That, Absolutely. Uh, especially in television where there's a, an incredible oversaturation of, of content and there are mm-hmm. so many great things and so many wonderful People getting great opportunities, but, you know, again, to go back to the Warriors metaphor with <clears throat> Ryan Murphy, mm-hmm. you know, he has this cachet that, you know, you know, people will watch and talk about totally. this stuff. And um, it's going to be discussable. It's going to be discussable. And, and it's yeah. not about my ego of like, oh, good, like someone's going to watch my stuff more about like, look, we're right. this this has value and th- this will be experienced um, 
like hopefully the the passion and excitement that I have you know there's there's a better chance of that being matched by the people experiencing it absolutely and so that's a that's a great comfort mm. jumping into something um yeah being the second season of a show that had a lot of you know uh, uh, had had a huge wingspan it's it's encouraging mm. when you when you go into the second season but also the story itself especially to a lot of the theater nerds or culture vultures listening mm-hmm. uh, it is uh, an in- incredibly sexy story. There is a sex appeal to mm. it. it. It involves totally. all the great ingredients of classic opera and Shakespeare Fully. and Greek tragedies. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's murder and it's sex and it's glamour mm. and it's these gargantuan falls from grace and these huge larger than life characters. I mean, Andrew himself is like this Shakespearean character totally. that, that, that has this massive breadth of of existence on the on the human uh, experience spectrum that uh, there's something that felt very Greek and Shakespearean about the whole thing. Oh, so that's so cool. You know, all the f- real. I mean, and people forget, and people forget because they're old and 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 classic. I'm using quote fingers, but you know, the best <laughs> operas are about fucking horrible thing like <laughs> yeah. rape and murder and and incest and yeah. all these really like the kind of stuff Ryan Murphy really loves to, really love to, and, yeah. and not only Ryan Murphy because he loves putting out stuff to the to the public in some sort of accessible accessible way hmm. we are you know we have perverse interests oh, yeah. you know that oh, these yeah. titillate totally. the curiosity of the curiosities of the masses. You know, these yeah. are all things that we want to know about. And the best part and the defining difference between said Greek tragedies and, and Shakespearean uh, dramas is that this is a real story. Yeah, <laughs> Those are, you know, classic myths and things mm-hmm. that we've sort of fabricated. Um, but this <laughs> is something that actually happened within relatively recent history. So totally. That's what really blows my mind about this story. So yes, between I was talking about the alchemy of what can make things pop off, and so yes, you have yeah. this provocateur like Ryan that knows how to identify these stories and put them in an accessible box for you know the masses, and you have a story that already you know on its own was was an infinitely fascinating story that was ripe totally. for consumption. Yeah, like just reading the bare basic facts of that case is a riveting story like yeah, you, you know that there's something it. there yeah yeah. Um, yeah, yeah yeah and it's and it is funny that you know so much of it was in the shadows and and the sure. very reason for why it was in the shadows is the story that we're telling like why is this not something we've heard about exactly and that's, and that's what we're talking that's about that's what so. i kept asking myself too and it did feel like ryan in doing this it felt like a very big intentional big new step almost like I'm going to finally address. <laughs> I want to ask you about like I'm going to ask you about gay stuff. Yeah. Well, that's a huge well, <laughs> that's a huge thing. I mean, yeah. right enough, you were saying that for you were saying that from Ryan's perspective because I feel like that sense I mean, was is what he's putting forth. I mean, yeah. What I like to think about the, the great thing about the American crime story in general is that it, it it it's sort of a bait and switch of where we centralize our conversation around uh, a crime or a thing that we're familiar mm-hmm. with. Uh, in recent history, in recent history, so the, and and something that is distinctly American. Yeah. Ooh, so, mm-hmm. um, so first of all, the first season being uh, the OJ trial, unlike the the second season, it's something that we are, for the most part, most people are extremely familiar with. There's an over yeah. abundance of, of of media documents and and coverage of just like all over the place. There's such a wealth of information on it. 
And uh, while we think that's what we're tuning in for, we're not really watching mm. the OJ story. We're watching the, quote, American crime around it, which is... Um, the handling of the case. Yeah, the handling of the that. case, r- racism in L.A. post the L.A. riots, Fully. and what that means for mm. national black identity in America yeah. and, and how there is a divide between, you know, a black icon that is... Um, that is enjoying, you know, white privilege, but how does that mm-hmm. stack against, you know, uh, a lower income, a, a different uh, class section of, of black identity? And, and there's this really interesting dichotomy happening that really defined the outcome mm-hmm. of the case and the jury and and, yeah. and separately uh, misogyny and the judicial system totally. and, and Marsha Clark's own journey. And there's all these other bigger social issues that that are the framework to what we think is the central case. Mm-hmm. Likewise, with um, with the Versace story, obviously that is the most recognizable meme and uh, story. So mm. that's why I believe you know we. It's good that we called the show what we did, right? Because that's the sort of bait and switch of. It we did are, feel like a bait and switch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're well. Also, people are like, you know. This people shorthand called Versace, but the show is called The Assassination of oh, yeah. Johnny Versace. That is the operative You're word. You're in the title role too. You're yeah, the assassination. Yeah, it, it kind of is. Yeah, and also in a more uh, uh, metaphorical or poetic way of thinking of the title, you know, it's about the death of a lot of things. It's not just oh, him totally. particularly. It's the taking of uh, lives that had any connection to what Versace stood for, whether it's wealth and glamour mm. or, or being a happy, successful gay person. Yeah. There's an assassination of a lot Ugh. of these ideals. And the word assassination in itself is is a great word because it it denotes someone who's taking a life to make a point. Uh, and mm. I think that's very much what... As opposed to a murder. As opposed to murder, yeah. Oh. I mean, it was a spree killing, but at a certain point, you know, when you kind of dive into Andrew's psyche, I mean... <laughs> He wasn't, you know, the literal taking of of one's life, the ultimate arbitration of, mm. of you know, controlling somebody, is <laughs> is sort of uh, guided by him taking not only their 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 literal life, but the the lifestyle and what they stand for, be it wealth, success, love, happiness. Mm. You know, he's taking these things away from them. Uh, you know, they're they're shaming them and taking taking their closetedness away. If, mm. You know, if if he can't have it, then he has to lit- quite literally take it, mm-hmm. and it's it's endlessly heartbreaking. But um, anyway, so that so the, having said those things about those crimes that we were discussing in the first season, I think the central one for this one and mm-hmm. a very American crime would be that of homophobia and, and that of um, this really difficult place that gay identity found itself in in the world where Andrew came up in. And it's amazing that our story connects so many people by homophobia and the very different manifestations that it has. Because when people say a word like that, racism or homophobia, hmm. you know, people think of it in terms of the extreme cases, violence, mm-hmm. acts of hate, um, as opposed to the much more subtle, much scarier, institutionalized totally. manifestations of those yeah. things. Systemic as opposed systemic, to Systemic, yeah, whether individual. it be in law enforcement mm-hmm. or government bodies or just community, family, you know, there's a lot of things that yeah. where it exists. And what's amazing about the tentacles that it, it sort of it has mm. is we explore 
how homophobia affects and connects not only a world famous um, fashion icon, uh, but a deeply closeted real estate developer in Chicago mm -hmm. or a young man, an Annapolis graduate destined for greatness, <laughs> you know, being in the military uh, and how that affects him or a young architect from Minneapolis or, and, and most importantly, how it affects a, a young man with all the gifts that he could have been given to be used as an advantage, mm. um, intellect, charisma, charm, you know, he was good looking. He had enough things in his arsenal mm -hmm. to kind of put him in a different place in the world. But you mix it up in a cocktail of coming into a world that is deeply homophobic, but also being born in the poorest neighborhood of San Diego, being born into a family with crippling mental, un unaddressed mm. mental illness. Mm -hmm. So you have all these things that can get, that gives you one foot into a world where you can be accepted and celebrated, but stuck with one foot in a world that is constantly holding you back. And I feel like that mm. kind of dichotomy either makes or breaks a person and yeah. it, and it broke him, you know? Yeah. So well, that's the, what we were saying earlier, you were just to tie it all back because I'm very, Tangential and long-winded. Uh, you're talking <laughs> no, about awesome. how talking about the gay stuff, so to speak. Right, you know, right. the, it's a huge part of this narrative. Yeah. It's the very backbone of what this season's American crime mm -hmm. really is. And obviously, yeah. the tragedies of these lives that were taken that are just devastating these injustices. Very real events. Yeah. yeah, these are things that are just horrible, and obviously, those are crimes, you know, debilitating crimes in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. But I think the really great thing about this anthology series is that we're really diving into the crimes that mm. unconsciously allow these crimes to happen. Right. And uh, yeah, homophobia is definitely the central one for this series. Yeah, I really felt I your performance really it made me uncomfortable a lot of the time because... Good. I know. I'm sure that was your... <laughs> Like the unspeakable acts would, of course, swing me, to, you know, towards, oh, I don't see anything of myself in that person. Oh, that's not, mm. I don't want to relate to that. That's totally evil. That's, you kind of put it in a box or you label it right. as evil or whatever right. that means. But then I was also throughout tempted to blame it on society. Sure. To like say, well, there's a little bit of homophobia in all of us. And it's that, it's that tentacles thing you're talking about yeah, and how that it, actually caused all of this tragedy. Right. Or at least in the in the confines of this particular way that we tell this story. Um, sure. And it's not just homophobia. I think it's a predominant mm -hmm. theme in our in our show, not only with the people who we follow, but the the sluggishness of, of um, response from you know, the FBI oh or local police enforcement. I mean, there's a lot of things yeah. that certainly detail um, we weren't aware of in the general public. I don't yeah, think. and and we were asked, we were just talking about earlier, like how did I not know about this? Right. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, totally. you know, uh, I think it, it, the homophobia exists on both sides of the coin. One from, you know, a fear and un, an under misunderstanding from more, you know, uh, predominant heteronormative bodies mm -hmm. um, that don't know. You know, people who aren't necessarily homophobic, but 
you know, don't want to get involved with something that might make them look homophobic. Or totally. there's a, it's sort of a mixed bag of what things cause this fear and uncertainty. But something that occurred to me is that on the other side of this, you know, you have a gay community that is barely just getting barely having just survived from this crippling plague. You know, the mm -hmm. AIDS just the AIDS epidemic has just completely destroyed millions of lives in in the United States and you're just getting out of this in the mid to late 90s and it still has echoes very very mm. raw echoes of totally. of the lives it's 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 ruined. And if all of a sudden there is a serial killer out there, a gay man killing other gay men, <laughs> If I was a gay man, I wouldn't exactly want to raise my hand and let everybody know about this when I'm right. just barely trying to like get a foothold exactly. in, in trying to get some sort of positive outlook on my community. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it, you're you're trapped. So totally on both sides, you're kind of you, you're you're because you you can't uh, <laughs> really uh, shine a positive light on an otherwise vibrantly positive community. Right. So so that's that's another reason. So there's so in that that in and of itself is sort of this unfortunate homophobia. So Yeah. I think that's why we didn't that's that's why we didn't hear about it. You know, when we have hmm. you know Maureen Orth who wrote the book that our that our series is, is based off mm -hmm. of, there's an article that uh, birthed the book that she wrote for Vanity Fair, which was a whole piece that was written, like I want to say, two months before Versace was killed. Oh. She was. It's an amazing piece because you look wow. at the date, and it's profiling his life, and she does all this work on him, and sort of chases him throughout the cities he's been, and mm. talks about the victims. And it was a pretty substantial Vanity Fair piece in '97, like two months. Wow. There's not. A, there's not an ounce of mention of, of Johnny Versace. Yeah, yeah. Because she's just saying, "There's this guy. This is happening." Wow. And. Uh, other than that, there's not a whole lot of media coverage on it, um, no. and I and I do think that it has less to do with people, you know, I don't know, hating gay people so much as sure. like not sure how to convey this yeah. to our children, to our communities, mm -hmm. you know, gay or not. Like, how do you talk about this without just freaking how to everybody shine out? A light. Yeah. yeah, so it's All a difficult time, but that's that's what's so amazing about you know exploring the whole world that. Of of this Amer of the American life at this mm. per certain time with this these certain people. I mean, there's so many variables that make everything that happened sort of an unfortunate pressure cooker for the inevitable. Yeah, you know, uh, like totally. once you kind of dive into where Andrew came from, it's really frustrating and so annoying. Where you go. Yeah, that makes sense. But sometimes I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Or dare I say, like, oh, I can see bits of humanity or bits of myself. Bits of maybe. yourself. Yeah, but that's and that's as an scary. actor, that's that's the dream, you know. Absolutely. Because I got news for you, like, th there are bits of yourself, and there's bits of myself, there's bits of everybody, mm -hmm. because we're all made of the same stuff. Right. We and all have the same desires and 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 hopes and dreams for stuff. Sure. And, uh, I always like to remind myself, but other people that. It's a, it's a protective measure for us to see bad people and distance ourselves from them because mm. clearly we could never be capable. We would never do some of the most horrible things imaginable, in this particular case, murder, right? Mm -hmm. um, but do we know what it's like to hate something so much you want to kill something? Mm -hmm. Like in the sort of yeah. hyperbolic sense of, of, of emotional places your brain can go in the privacy mm -hmm. of your own head. Like we certainly know what the seedlings are of these impulses. Yeah. 
now due to a better judgment and obviously things you know get <laughs> get bypassed mm-hmm. but that's not to say we don't have access to the same right the same emotions we all have the same access to stuff that's and so awesome. reminding people of that is very fun and also reminding people that uh for anybody on the planet and it's annoying to acknowledge this but this is why acting is so fun whether it be the president of the United States of America or mm. your mom, <laughs> mm-hmm. we all have more in common than not. Yes, and that's a very hippy dippy, you know, bleeding heart idealist way of looking at life. But it is sure. true. Right. Yeah. Now the differences are smaller; they're just big in content. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, whether they be obviously our world world view and and a lot of different things, yeah. but day to day basic human bullshit. It is it connects all of us, and once you really <laughs> dive into the things that drive those things, there's an extraordinary amount of things that you can really relate to with yes. somebody if you examine them closely. And even if it has to do with people you really don't want to sympathize with, um, yeah, that's what fun. That's fun about acting because there's yeah. no other world where you would consciously subscribe your brain to thinking in someone else's shoes. Yeah, to finding a common denominator yeah. maybe between you and other people. Yeah, that's that's the goal. Is that is it safe to say that that's sort of the philosophy that's the driving force of your acting? You've said that that's, you are an actor who sings rather than the other way around. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, just even the fact that you put it a, a who sings is blows my mind to this day. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. We can get into that later, but yeah, the because uh, that's the known for thing again. The like, yeah, I guess. I, yeah. Well, it depends with certain circles. I, what's been really fun as we get more tangential uh, about the response to this is that for every project, there's always going to be somebody new to you. Uh, mm-hmm. A buddy did Wicked for years and years and years, and you know, I've you know, it's a staple. I've seen it a few times. I've certainly seen my friend do it a few times, and he. I was asking him, I was like, God, you've been doing this for years. And he's like, you have to remember that every night, most people have never seen this show. Yeah. Uh, Isn't that awesome? There's people that are new to this and it's a new experience. He's like, you're you're a theater nerd. Like, obviously, you know this, but you have to remember you're in the minority. Yeah. And uh, so while I'm not saying I've been doing Wicked for years, I have to remember that whatever I do, whether Mm. it's in music or in theater or anything acting there, there's there's somebody that, that this is new to yeah, so cool. um so that's always exciting when you say when you say things like what you're known for i mean some people now just know me for this sure um and that's why i want to ask like the listeners of this podcast are some of them are new to all of this yeah and that's cool. why we love the advice stuff like you i especially you in your shoes you created something you wrote this musical that made you a uh, viral hit before viral hits were a thing. Yeah, that wasn't even. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, YouTube wasn't even a platform. So, to so speak. bizarre, yeah. and that it, it's safe to say that that was your quote unquote big break. I I really think it was. It was the first my first experience with um, r- any kind of public recognition, mm-hmm. and I don't mean recognition in the sense of like getting recognized on the street, although that would happen. Right. Uh, it was more like just anybody other than my circle of friends right. giving a shit about something that I had created. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, and so when you go from not ever having experienced that to experiencing that, I mean, it's a, it's a massive yeah. jump. Yeah. So um, especially because uh, it wasn't even called social media yet. Yeah, exactly. But that yeah. world was so new. None of us had experienced, n- nobody, not even me personally, but like the world. Mm. I mean, social media is still pretty new oh, I mean, it's, yeah. we're still figuring it out it still is the wild west in many ways mm. so it was definitely a new frontier you know the 
the story, just a little quick backstory, if anybody is familiar with Starkid, which is the company that we're alluding to in, in, the, in the YouTube videos that, mm-hmm. that we made, um, we never set out to make YouTube videos. What we did is, right. like a lot of theater kids in college or otherwise, um, we did shows for fun on our own, right. like we always did, um, that were never meant to be seen by anybody but us and our friends at midnight at some school. It's you know, so laid, cool. laid in with inside jokes that clearly would never be accessible to the masses because that's that would that's stupid, right? right? Like, why would anybody How bizarre. watch it? How bizarre. Yeah. Um, and our senior year, we do we did silly shows all the time, and this one just happened to be the Harry Potter one. And we <laughs> only filmed it because, yeah, it's like an acting department, so they had like a they had oh my cameras. Gosh, if you hadn't filmed it. Yeah, oh, no. yeah. If a tree falls in a forest, it's that whole thing. We, um, it actually, it, what makes me think is like, damn, we should have filmed everything else we ever did in college. Sure, sure. Um, which still is in the vast majority of of stuff that we would have worked on together, at least at that point. Uh, so we had cameras set up similar to that of like a, a like a three cam sitcom setup, and I think Amazing. they were just in the studio. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they were there. And when we filmed it. Uh, I think it was just kind of for us. I, I, there was, again, YouTube wasn't a platform. There was never like a rollout plan. We just did it. And so what happened was we had the footage edited because it was fun. The guys who wrote the show, they just, they like making content. And uh, <laughs> by the time we're living in LA, people are living in LA or Chicago or New York, people have all moved out and hit the real world. Instead of, because we made a DVD of it for our own sake, because that's oh, what we did yeah. for fun. Um, instead of, because it's expensive to like go buy them and then print them and, right. then, and then get everyone's address and send them hard copy. We figured, why don't we just put it on that new site, YouTube, and <laughs> cut it up into parts. Because you, you had to be. Because you had to. Yeah, that's right. And we'll just send the link to our friends so they can, hey guys, you know, miss you. Are we getting this? I Are think we, we got to go. Really? I think we got to go soon. Oh, shit. No. I'm just talking forever. That's <laughs> no, good. I no, enjoy okay. talking about this so much. Okay, this is I'll all good though because this is advice for actors who want to do this. Who okay, so I'll, I'll turn around. So we just we sent it out to everybody just and forgetting that it was completely public, and so it was never meant oh, to mm-hmm. be like this oh. this statement or anything. And it was terrifying because then you have all yeah. these people from all over the world watching your stuff. And you're like, God, if I knew some dude in Australia was going to watch you this, you would have polished it. More? We would have tried to edit it and 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 uh, and, and color correct That's what it. People say, and the yeah. sound is garbage. It's like we didn't intend for anybody to watch this stuff. So, it, but ironically, I think that's what people gravitated towards. Oh, yeah. I think they enjoyed the scrappiness of it, the authenticity. Yeah. yeah, there's sort of an unbridled authenticity to it, um, much to my own chagrin. Um, so maybe don't polish your work too much. Just well, good advice. I think the advice is just to make. Shit. You know, yeah. and to not worry about anything, and and more importantly, to make shit with people you care about and mm. love, and just have fun. Um, that's a very broad, happy-go-lucky piece of advice. Because obviously, those are our favorite kinds of pieces of well, advice. Well, good. I mean, look, we lucked out, but it was never part of the plan. Like, I think the rule is you can't make a viral video. No one can make absolutely. One. It, it has. You can't put the There's lightning no in the bottle. Yeah. There's no science. If there was a science, we'd all be, you know, we'd all be crushing yeah, it. Yeah, it's a weird, yeah, so contradiction. That's what happened with that, and uh, that just was a result of having fun. But you know, now that it is a platform for people, I would encourage people to make it, make it, because yes. it's so easy and the overhead is so low, and you can just do stuff, and you know, eighty percent of it is just showing up and doing doing the thing. So. Uh. Brilliant. Yeah, that's the brilliant. Thing. I like what you said about common denominators. I'll just wrap this up with saying, you mm-hmm. know, that's my general ethos in storytelling and life and everything. Like, I, I'm such an 
I'm such a fan of the human race, despite all our dumb bullshit. Like, I love human beings. <laughs> like, despite all of it, I'm really, I believe in our resilience and our, and our beauty and, and all the things that we're capable of that is so moving. It just makes yeah. me cry tears. Like, it, there's so many cool, wonderful things about us, despite all the bullshit things that, um, yeah, it's important to me in my career, like has value to me, mm. whether it's through music or song or, 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 but primarily it's all storytelling. Like I put that all in the yeah. funnel of telling a story. Yeah. Um, I like highlighting as many different parts of the infinite palette of colors that, that make us up, that make the human experience mm. up. And so if I, if my paintbrush can, can illustrate and use as many of those as possible, to help people find as many common denominators, not only between yes. whatever store they're watching, but with each other, that gives me that's that's my plight is to yeah. just to connect as many human beings together as possible. And that sounds so hippy dippy, but at, at its core, like if I really had to look myself in the mirror and sort of define what it is that I'm after, like that's that's mm. it. That's totally. the thing. I love it. Yeah. Oh, that was a brilliant, like, that is the attitude that is necessary of any, not just actor or storyteller, yeah. any human. And it doesn't matter what the project is, because you can be doing something that's yeah. like goofball, silly comedy. There, there is value in all the different things. Like, even if it's not, you know, something as, as th that has all this gravitas as, as American Crime Story, you know, right. there, there is value in all forms of storytelling, whether you're in a tiny little theater doing something silly with your friends or doing something mm -hmm. as widely exposed as, as that show. I mean, they all can connect lives together and whether it's five people or five thousand it, it it all has the same currency beautiful yeah beautiful darren thank you thank you this is great i'll get off my little poetic soapbox and go back to <laughs> my new york i love awesome. the soapbox <laughs> that's what we want thanks for having me then In the Envelope, an awards podcast, is recorded at Lotus Productions, Hyperbolic Audio, and Big Yellow Duck in New York City, and Soundbox LA, Mark Grau Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Like, rate, subscribe, tell your friends, and follow us on Twitter at In the Envelope. Thanks, as always, to producer, editor, and all-around podcast extraordinaire, Jamie Muffet, and thank you to the team at Backstage the most trusted name in casting. That's Peter Rappaport, Rowan Al-Khatib, Francis Ramos, Caitlin Watkins, Lauren Rout, Mark Stinson, and especially Casey Howe. For more awards and industry coverage, head over to Backstage.com. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time for another glimpse in the envelope. Mm -hmm.